Thanks for coming in, Mr. Mahoney. Do you have your member ID card? Yep, I have it right here in the FEP Blue app. See? Great. It's can I... awesome. The app can also help me find a provider and keep tabs on my deductibles. Okay, can I... Oh, yeah, and my out-of-pocket spending and visit limits, and I can call the nurse line. I'm really glad it does all that, but I only need to see your member ID card. Oh, that's it? Why didn't you say so? Fearless is just one tap away. With the new FEP Blue app from Blue Cross and Blue Shield, you can access your health benefits on the go. Download it now at fepblue.org app. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into a Locked On Simulcast. I'm Robert Land. For those who don't know me, from Locked On Texans, along with Adam Kinney from Locked On Broncos. The big week coming up on Monday. Great to have you with us, Adam. Great to talk to you. Hey, Robert, thanks so much. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to get the Texans side of things, for, and I'm sure Broncos country will be excited for that as well. I don't know what they think of the Texans up in Denver. I'm curious because in Houston, you know, for so many years with Gary Kubiak here and Rick Smith and the ties to the Broncos organization, it seemed like we, we used to just call the Broncos Texans North because we, we kind of kept getting your guys. <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, and, and that's – that's kind of how Gary Kubiak operates. It seems like he gets a group of guys and he wants to have him follow around. I mean, we saw it with Owen Daniels last year who kind of followed Kubiak from Houston, then to Baltimore, then to Denver. So that's not very uh, new for anyone. And, and so, I mean, I think that people in Denver were kind of likewise calling the Texans Broncos South. So, you know, I, I think that there's actually a pretty good respect for the Texans and what the organization has done in the last you know, certainly in the last 10 years or so since they've been playoff contenders, they've actually kind of been a thorn in the Broncos' side. You know, there was a game here when Rod Smith got inducted into the Ring of Fame where Matt Schaub lit up the Broncos in the Peyton Manning era here in Denver, and the Broncos dropped a regular season game against them. So definitely a team that they have to be weary about. It's funny you mentioned that because I, I just heard somebody talking about that, and actually that that was Matt Schaub's maybe gutsiest game. That was the game that yeah. he got the most <laughs> respect out of Texans fans for. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I mean, he he balled out that day. I was there in the press box covering that afternoon, and I, I couldn't believe the quarterback that was in front of us. So, I mean, we thought there would be a one elite quarterback on the field that day, and it was not Peyton Manning. Well, the obvious question for Texans fans is, what did you guys think of Brock Osweiler? What were your impressions, and were you sad to lose that guy? Is it somebody that you guys thought was really the long-term answer? Well, I, you know, it's it's that's kind of a hard question to answer just because I, I think people were excited by Brock Osweiler and just because of the the years that they put into him, they, they thought that the promise was going to be there, especially, you know, coming back into Gary Kubiak's system and, and what that he learned and developed under Peyton Manning and, and really, you know, he didn't really get a chance to run Gary Kubiak's offense because it was still kind of a hybrid between the Peyton Manning offense and the Gary Kubiak offense. So, you know, they were excited in his first full season, what he was going to be able to do with his first off season under Gary Kubiak. And, and a lot of people thought that the system fit him perfectly, you know, a, a big mobile quarterback that could get outside the pocket. That's exactly what Kubiak did with Joe Flacco in Baltimore. So people were excited by that premise, but the price tag that the Houston Texans ultimately ended up paying, you know, really turned people off from that. And, and they didn't know that Brock Osler was worth, money I, I think that you know halfway through the season last year they were hoping that they could get Osweiler for you know six to eight million dollars a year you know and not elite quarterback money 
One thing that we've noticed so far is that he's accuracy is not the greatest at times, and he and he might rush things a little bit with pressure. Was that something that you guys had seen? Yeah, I mean, his decision making suspect at times. I, I do think, and this is what you know, ultimately one of the reasons why Gary Kubiak made the switch back to Peyton Manning, other than Manning's resume just in general is he, he was kind of disappointed with how Osweiler handled the team it, just from a leadership standpoint it, it didn't seem like he was really in command of the huddle at all times and it, it's hard when you have a hall of famer breathing down your neck but just that calm composure it wasn't always there I mean specifically against the San Diego Chargers in week 17 so that's kind of why he had the short leash but he, he can certainly make some good throws he has a hell of an arm but his decision making can be suspect at times what about Kubiak? I'm just kind of curious because Kubiak here just seemed like a mediocre coach. I mean, he comes out with you guys, wins a Super Bowl. Is, it, is the impression there that, oh, this is a great coach? Or what's the feeling with Gary so far? Well, I, he, he was able to do what John Fox wasn't able to do before him, which I think a lot of people discredit the head coaches that play for Peyton Manning because you're automatically going to win 13 games a year but Gary Kubiak got them over the hump and so to do that in his first season just the relationship that he has with this city and with John Elway you know he's regarded as probably the second or third best head coach in Broncos history as it stands right now just after one season which is kind of crazy to think about so the, the outpouring of love for Gary Kubiak in this town is not thin how do you guys looking at this game do you guys feel like this is uh just uh, should be a win for the Broncos. It feels like the Texans fans, they don't have any hope because they've seen the Texans go out against the really good opponents that they face so far, especially on the road with the Patriots and the Vikings, and they don't look like they belong in the same building with them. Well, I mean, the Broncos have really struggled over the last couple of weeks. I think that if this game were played in week five after the Broncos are coming off a 4-0 start, absolutely, they, they'd probably chalk this one up to – you know, a double digit lead and then move on to the next one. But after getting their teeth kicked in by the San Diego Chargers, who are one and four out on their turf, which a lot of people call Qualcomm Stadium, Mile High Stadium West, just because of all the orange that you see in the stands and the, the low attendance there in San Diego. So, I mean, kind of a friendly environment. And to have that showing that they did on Thursday night football is a little bit rough. And then also you have to consider, you know, the health issue that Gary Kubiak had with the migraine. You know, this is his first week coming back. How effective? planning is he going to be able to get the offense back in shape because really the offense is the biggest issue right now even though the defense seems like it's been exposed a little bit where you can attack the middle of the field and they've you know had some bad showings against some running backs in the last couple of weeks but they're still holding opponents to you know 20 points and 200 passing yards that's just what this broncos offense or broncos defense is going to do for you but offensively speaking they can't get any consistency running the football and they can't protect either Trevor Simeon or Paxton Lynch. So I, I think that people are really concerned right now, you know, especially looking at the Texans and the defense that they have, even without J.J. Watt, you know, Jadavion Clowney, Clowney's playing well and the Broncos offensive line is in shambles. So they don't know how they're going to protect a quarterback and get points on the board if it does come to that. What do you guys want to know about the Texans? What are the what would you think the fans would be interested in from that, from that angle? Well, I, I mean, already I'm kind of interested that, I mean, your thoughts on Gary Kubiak and, and how – received by the Texans since he's left as the head coach of the team, you know, because this is the first guy that brought you guys to the playoffs, but you still kind of consider him a mediocre coach at best. Yeah, I think the impression was Gary Kubiak was terrible at adjusting. That that was one of the major criticisms. He was an offensive coordinator with the, uh, you know, with with the Texans and it seemed, it seemed like, you know, he would control the offense and he would get, you know, a little bit 
too into that and sometimes would lose himself a little bit in game management situations and stuff like that. But I guess the biggest criticism more than anything was that that was the deal was he just he, he couldn't adjust. You know, the Texans would come out of, a, you know, his scripted plays, the first 15 that that seemed to be typical. They would look really good. And, and and then the Texans, their second halves would be, you know, it was always he could there, it was always one half. They would play really well, maybe another half that they wouldn't play really well. And, and 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 of course, the other problem that he had big time before, you know, Wade showed up and finally they they made him hire Wade Phillips as the defensive coordinator as he, he had hired two defensive coordinators before him that were just not good at all. And and the I, I you know, I think that his undoing was a lot a lot had to do with the talent. And we never could figure out here who was dealing more with the talent, who was more responsible for that problem. Was it Rick Smith, the general manager? Or was it Gary Kubiak, who sort of had a big say in player personnel? We understood from the very start. You, 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 you sometimes wondered if it was it was Gary that was the problem, and Wade had a lot of say in who they would draft. It, it seems like it's a very more defi- it's a I guess it's a more definitive line that you guys have drawn with Elway mostly dealing with the talent issue, and then just letting Gary and Wade do more of the coaching. And I think that's probably why he's had so much more success there so far. You know, I think that's a fair criticism, even even down to the game planning thing. I think that we've experienced that in Denver, and we certainly, with his predecessor, a couple of coaches back with Mike, and knowing about those scripted plays, uh, this is no new thing to Broncos fans. They've been dealing with that since, you know, 1996. So not being able to make halftime adjustments, I think that's a fair criticism of Gary Kubiak. And you bring up a very interesting point with, you know, what, what's going to happen with Kubiak when it's no longer all of just John Elway's talent that's brought in in front of them? You know, can he coach them up and continue to make them, you know, playoff and or Super Bowl contenders? I think that remains to be seen. But, you know, they, they needed a guy that could have the moxie to get them back to the big game. And that's exactly what they did. I guess the next thing I kind of want to get to, let, let's jump back over to Brock Osweiler a little bit. Initially, when the Texans signed him, was this – you know, the savior is coming to Houston. They finally have a franchise quarterback. Was Were they immediately just sold by the price tag and thought that they had their guy? Well, the Texans fans were, you know, they, they come at it with, this is the Texans evaluating a guy, and so we're worried. You know, we're not, we're not disappointed because I think Texans fans in general thought, hey, you know, at least they're going after a guy. This is a guy that did have some promise. He did do some things with the Broncos last year. For me personally, I was just really, you know, interested in it because, hey, he beat the Patriots and the, the Texans can't seem to, you know, even be in right. a game with the Patriots. So that was a big deal. You know, for, for me, I was just kind of wait, wait and see. I want to see what this guy does. And you're, you're obviously worried because why would Elway and the Broncos, after having seen him for five years, think that this guy wasn't anywhere near this amount of money? If you got the right guy the money doesn't matter as much. Even if you think maybe, oh, he's not worth quite that much, you go out and pay him because he's the quarterback, you know, and the quarterbacks are so hard to find that you go, okay, we'll just, we'll take that guy and, uh, and, and figure out the money situation for the rest of the roster. And, you know, to me, if, if this is the guy that you saw as your future quarterback, what we paid him didn't seem like that big of a deal. I don't know. You know, and that's really what Elway's made a history of doing so far as he's been the general manager of Denver is that he's willing to, to pay his guys, but on his terms. You know, he's, he's not going to let the market decide, other than maybe Von Miller, just because he's one of those once-in-a-generation type players. 
but he's not going to let them dictate what he's going to pay them. And you, you saw it with uh, Eric Decker, who he let walk to the New York Jets. You saw it with Malik Jackson just this last offseason and Danny Trevathan off of this Super Bowl championship defense. You know, Elway's not afraid to show you the door if you're not willing to kind of work with the team and give a quote-unquote hometown discount. But, you know, six weeks into the NFL season now, you know, how, how is that turning for Texans fans and within the organization? You know, we, we heard some rumblings about a week or so ago that things may not be totally clicking between Bill O'Brien and Brock Osweiler. Yeah, both guys sort of sloughed it off, said it was nothing, no big deal. Uh, I talked to Aaron Wilson, who helps me out with the podcast, and he, he said – yeah, I don't see that. Is I heard the same stuff, and I really didn't report it because I didn't think it was. I mean, guys are going to get into arguments if you're not upset after getting crushed by the Vikings and, and looking as bad as they did, and and there's not a little fire amongst guys. Then so, you know, then you're not really an NFL player. And Bill O'Brien, he doesn't he doesn't take anything from anybody, and he you know he's he's a little fiery, and he brings that to the to the whole system, but. I, you know, as far as the fans go at this point, I mean, yeah, there, there's concern. There's no doubt there's concern about Brock Osweiler. Uh, they haven't seen the accuracy that they would like to see from this guy. And you look at what happened against the Colts on Sunday night. Hey, it was a fantastic comeback. I think everybody was amazed about that. You know, you're excited that maybe you saw a little bit, but at the same time, we also watched the other three and a half quarters. And, you know, talking to the owner after the game, you know, I was there the when he addressed the the media after that one, and he just said, "Yeah, you know, it was great. We'd we'd love to see that in the other three and a half quarters." And he's kind of Peggy positive a lot of times, so it was exciting. It, it was not exciting. It was interesting, I guess, to say the least, to see him uh, say something like that. And I think that's the deal. You know, you 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 got to see that on a consistent basis from Osweiler. And we're not seeing it so far. The offensive line is a concern with the Texans. They're not the greatest offensive line. They've had some a lot of injuries this year. It's the guys have been in and out. They've been dealing with that sort of stuff. Dwayne Brown uh, just came back in the Vikings game, so he's getting his legs out. You know, he's getting his legs under him. And you look at the rest of the offensive line, and and it hasn't. It's not that good. It's it's not good. They're the guy that they wanted to be the starting center, Nick Martin, second round pick. They were really high on. He's missed the entire season, He'll, and he's going to be gone until next year. So, you know, Brock's not getting the greatest offensive line play, but we feel like he's got the weapons. And, of course, he's had a major issue with getting into DeAndre Hopkins, and I guess that's the big right. thing so far. Yeah, it doesn't seem like their chemistry has developed quite as, as fast as people had hoped. And, you know, Osweiler's no stranger to patchwork offensive lines because he had to deal with that in Denver all season last year. And when he did have time to throw the football, that's when you saw the promise from Osweiler. So if you guys can figure that thing out, I think then you'll start to see that come a little bit. But, you know, wh where do the expectations lie versus the – I don't want to call it a leash because you just gave this guy a big contract. You know, he's not getting benched anytime soon. But, you know, how, how long until the rumblings become louder and louder for Osweiler? You know, I don't know. I, I think there's it's already in sort of semi-panic mode at this point uh, uh, from Texans fans. And I, I don't know where the management is on it. It's they're, they're, They keep, their, keep it pretty quiet, you know, so who knows? To me, I, I feel like most of the league just doesn't have the patience with quarterbacks that they used to. And it's so funny because many times you see guys – you know, I've seen guys over the years that, you know, the first couple of years or it took a while, you know, it just doesn't happen with some guys immediately. And 
everybody just says, well, he's been in the league for a while and somebody like Osweiler, and you expect him just to come in because he's been in the league for a while and be ready and immediately playing well. You know, I guess the best example is Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a terrible example to start with. But, you know, for most guys, when they start in the league and they start getting games on a regular basis, and I don't know, I think this is maybe 13, 14 starts for him now. You know, this isn't even a full first season for Brock Osweiler as a starter. So you want to see a little bit more time. play. At least I want to see it play out. And I want to see the time. I want to see him for a year, maybe into next year, and see how he's progressing. Because you look at somebody like a Sam Bradford and, you know, with the injuries and other stuff that happened to him and the guys that he had around him, you know, now you're seeing a guy that looks like he's a much better quarterback than I think a lot of people thought. So sure. get, give give him some more time. Now, I, that's me. I, I'm, the fans, that's a whole other story. What's the situation with Simeon there? What, what do they think so far? I, I think that a lot of people have been surprised and impressed by, you know, some of his composure. I think that he senses pressure well, and he can step into the pocket and make some really nice throws. His arm has surprised a lot of people, which is probably what got him drafted in the seventh round to begin with. And that said, that they're still dealing with issues with the offensive line where it doesn't seem like he has enough time to throw, and, and we got a very, very good close look at Paxton Lynch, and simply put, he's just not ready right now. It, it kind of looked like in the Tampa Bay game, he may be a bit further ahead than a lot of people thought when he came in for Simeon as an injury replacement, but then when Paxton got his first start against the Atlanta Falcons, you know, his decision-making was just slow. He played what you would call like a rookie, and so and you, you haven't seen that from Trevor Simeon yet. And, you know, there were rumblings a couple weeks ago after that uh, performance that he had against the Cincinnati Bengals where he throws for three touchdowns and 300 yards that the Broncos should trade Trevor Simeon. And so it's been really hard for the fan base to embrace Simeon because you did just draft a quarterback in the first round right behind him. And people are just excited by that notion more than they are about this undrafted or the seventh round pick in his second season for the team. But I really like the way that he's handled himself. I think that he's come in like a pro and he, he, he prepares very, very well, and he, he has some skills. He, he can play a little bit. So the Broncos might have gotten lucky and found themselves another quarterback, but it's, it's like you said, it's just going to take time to tell. What do you see as the interesting side points of this game outside of, you know, ever, all these guys playing against each other? You know, we, I joke that, hey, the, the, the Gary Kubiak's probably going to have the Texans run by the Super Bowl trophy as he comes out, you know. Yeah, so, there's, right. so there's all that going on. Your guys are talking trash a little bit about Osweiler. I didn't think that was all, all that big a deal. You know, you, you read the full thing of what they said, and it's just like, ah, that, that's just, you know, guys that know each other just, you know, saying, hey, we want to beat you and whatever. That That's football. You know, for me, the thing that's real interesting is I think the defenses are both are pretty good, but if there's a weakness in both defenses, it's the run defense. And so maybe the team that does does the job of taking advantage of that on the ground seems like that, that might be the real key to the game. Right, I think that's key to the game. And then also, you know, if the defense can dupe one of these quarterbacks into making some mistakes, uh, obviously whoever wins a turnover battle in the NFL is more likely to win a game. And so I, I think with, what you said with both offensive lines kind of having some troubles right now, that could be a key to watch out for for pass rushers on both sides of the ball, for Von Miller or Jadavion Clowney, however you want to put it. 
you know, the running game thing kind of scares me a little bit just because it hasn't been there for the Broncos in three weeks. They, they haven't been able to find consistency. I mean, I think C.J. Anderson rushed for 35 yards in the loss against the San Diego Chargers, and actually the rookie Devontae Booker out of Utah was the leading rusher in that game. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see for the Broncos if they kind of mix up the running game because that's how it worked so well last year in tandem when the running game was clicking, it, it wasn't CJ Anderson being in every down back. It was Ronnie Hillman getting some nitty gritty yards and then CJ Anderson and get you know, a big 45 yard run for a touchdown off the left end in overtime against the Bengals or against the Patriots. You know, that, that's just kind of how it worked, but the Broncos haven't been able to find that consistency. And so if it comes down to the running game, I think the Texans may have a big advantage with Lamar Miller. Anything else that you got on your mind? I'm, I'm kind of, I think I know sort of what to expect from you guys. And I'm, I still feel like it's it'll take a miracle, it seems, for the Texans to, to win this game. I, I, there's just not a whole lot of confidence right now in the Texans going on the road against a really good defense. Right. Well, uh, I guess my biggest question right now is just how the Texans responded, you know, losing J.J. Watt, their perennial defensive player of the year candidate. And it seems like the defense is still rolling pretty well. I mean, Romeo, the Texans not in a bad state when you go from Wade Phillips to Romeo Cornell as your defensive coordinator. Oh, Cornell has been fantastic. I think he's gotten the most out. He's the best defensive coordinator we have, and that's no disrespect to Wade Phillips, but you know, he's done a fantastic job so far. And as far as losing JJ Watt, it's not the same. I mean, JJ Watt's a playmaker. I think this defense overall is maybe average to slightly above average and the ceiling isn't that high without J.J. Watt uh, they're just not as good and right now they've got big time issues in the secondary lots of injury problems Jonathan Joseph's banged up Kareem Jackson hasn't played the last couple of weeks with the hamstring there's your two starting cornerbacks the starting safety Quentin Demps hasn't started they just lost Kevin Johnson they're Number number one draft pick last year at cornerback, and he had been playing really well. He's gone for the season, broke his foot in the last game. That's huge. K.J. Dillon was a guy that they were going to need without Quentin Demps and, and his injury. Hopefully Demps is back, but I, I'm not sure what the situation is there right now. But, you know, you look at uh, all the situ- all the all the injuries in the secondary, it, it's, a, it's a big issue for the Texans. And not having Watt, just this team can could have been a really great defense. They were third in the NFL last year, and and I don't think they're anywhere close to that right now. Yeah, that's unfortunate when injuries can bite you like that. But I don't know. It'd be interesting to see. I think that we both got a pretty good look at, on the other side of things. And I would just tell Texans fans that the Broncos playing close games. That's just what it comes down to. So I mean, no matter how much you look on this on paper and think that it's going to be a blowout just because it's in Denver. You know, the Broncos played in, I think, eight one-score games a season ago, and they've done that four times this year as well. So, you know, I think this thing will be close at the end, and Denver may get the edge because they're at home and with the defense that they have. But I think that it should be a pretty good contest. Let's wrap up the Locked On Simulcast. Great to have you guys with us, the sports fastest-growing sports audio network in the world. Thanks for joining me, and uh, this was fun. Yeah, I appreciate it, and hopefully we'll get to do it again in the playoffs a little bit down the road. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.